Welcome back to Ew, That's Creepy. Today, Melissa will share our second story about pet attacks and discuss the infamous chimp named Travis. Travis lived with his owners for 14 years without incident, but it only took one second for him to completely snap. Although Melissa makes Jackie laugh so hard she wheezes, the story is incredibly disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. tell you another story about a deadly pet. Dun dun dun! Dun dun! So this story, unlike Jackie's, is going to be a little bit more well known because the pet actually... (laughs) The pet. (laughs) The pet. Girl. The animal actually was a pet. A live-in pet. Like, we know. Um, Not that snakes aren't live-in pets, but just that... They were using them for, like, religious purposes. Exactly. I mean, yeah, that story counted because snakes are technically pets. So that story counted. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying in this that. theme. Yeah, that they were used for religious purposes in that story, obviously. No, this one is used for personal purposes. <laughs> <laughs> for happiness. Yep. So today we're going to be talking about, and I'm Melissa, I'll be telling the story. Again, we'll clarify our voices for you. <laughs> We'll be talking about Travis the Chimp. Oh my god, Travis! Last night I was a little tipsy and I wrote in my notes, Travis the Simp. (laughs) I'm so glad I just got that laugh recorded. Oh my god. (laughs) So... No, Travis the Chimp. And again, this story is a little well-known because um, I don't want to spoil it, but let's just say that the aftermath of this ended up being a story on Oprah. So Oprah. I remember that story, too. Yes. And I, we were young. Uh-huh. We were young, and I remember seeing it, and I was like, oh, God. I know. <laughs> it was like, oh, my God. It was so crazy. It was on, like, National Enquirer, that one that was usually all bullshit. I know. I know. It was that heart- magazine. It was heartbreaking. Well, a story of strength, but of heartbreak at the same time. True. Yes. So let's just jump right into it. Um, first, I want to get into talking about tra- Travis's owners rather than him, because it's important to understand the lives of his owners to really understand the relationship that they had with this chimp um (laughs) chimp let's hear his family tree (laughs) so get it his family tree he's a monkey (laughs) girl that was a good one thanks so his parents were the heralds they were a middle-aged couple who owned a towing company (laughs) i was like are they human (laughs) (laughs) yes Sorry. Okay, let's just say not his parents. Sorry, that was a bad way to go into it. His owners were, his eventual owners were the Heralds, who owned a towing company outside of Stamford, Connecticut. And this is in the 90s. And they met when, their names are Sandy and Jerry. Oh. Uh-huh. They met when Sandy was 30. She was freshly single after two previous failed marriages, and she already had a daughter. 
who was actually a baby. And when they met, they started a towing operation business and some auto body shops in Stanford and just a few more small businesses. And all of those accumulated into actually them being unintentional millionaires. Damn, mm-hmm. they blew up. Yeah, so, you know, they're like, they're that couple in that small town that owns a lot of the little businesses and things like that. Good for them. Yeah, mm-hmm. but they were a very nice couple. Jerry adopted Sandy's daughter from her second marriage, mm-hmm. and he was raising her as his own. The girl's name was Susan. They often called her Sue. And so, as they were growing up, uh, as Susan was growing up, and they were, you know, living out their marriage together, they were very drawn to animals. They owned numerous horses and dogs on their property. Um, The girls had actually started to get into professional rodeo work. Hmm. Yeah. That's cool. They would go to these little events. They would go to, like, Loretta Lynn's um, traveling rodeo. I remember those. Those mm-hmm. were way bigger in the 90s and the early 2000s, those, mm-hmm. like, traveling rodeo shows. Yeah. And actually, at, I think it was specifically the Loretta Lynn one, Sandy met and became friends with a teenage runaway named Charla Nash. Um, the two became friends, and at one point, they had seen a chimpanzee at a rodeo who was dressed up um, like, you know, a little cowboy. <laughs> I mean, that's cute, but I also feel bad when they dress up the animals. Yeah, you know damn well no grown chimpanzee doesn't want to be in a... Enclosed. Enclosed. Yeah. They don't want to wear baby clothes. Exactly. But Sandy was infatuated by the chimp immediately. She sought him backstage, and she... She sought him. She sought him. She's like, sir, let me get your autograph. <laughs> She's the simp. <laughs> the chimp simp. <laughs> yes, she is. But, um... So she followed him backstage, and she had gummy worms in her pocket that she gave to him. Oh, no. I know damn well, also, that a chimp is not meant to have gummy bears. (laughs) He was probably, like, off a... I don't even know. No way in hell. Probably felt like he was on drugs after a gummy bear. All sugar. Artificial sugar, yeah. When the chimp later returned to the stage at the rodeo... He actually ran from the handler and kind of jumped into Sue's arms. And I think this was the moment that, or I'm sorry, not Sue, Sandy, Sandy, the mother. Um, And I think this was the moment that Sandy really was like, I think I would want a chimp. I want me one of them. I want it. (laughs) Between horses, dogs, and the business, the Heralds were very busy. Uh, But Sandra and... Her name was Sandra, but I like calling her Sandy, so I'm sticking with Sandy. Uh, Sandy and Susan were attached at the hip, but Susan, when she was, I think, in her early 20s, married a man that she had met at the family business at the company and actually moved out of Stanford to start a new life with her husband. But Sandy was very upset. She did not want her daughter to go and... She felt very alone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's sad, I'm sure. Yep. So while Jerry was continuing to raise the business, Sandy quietly flew to Missouri and visited a chimpanzee breeder. The breeder's name was Connie Casey. 
And they had called Sandy and informed her that a new baby boy chimpanzee was born in their care in a small rural... Girl, who who invented that word? I know. It's the effing worst. In the small town of Festus, Missouri. (laughs) The perfect place to be a chimp breeder. (laughs) Like, where are you getting these chimps? I was thinking that Missouri, I think it'd be at least in Florida where there's like, I don't know, palm trees. What does that have to do with chimps? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, trees. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I would think that being around warm weather is better for a chimp. To be honest, I really do not know much about chimps, so I actually take that back. That was... (laughs) But, um... But I still don't think Missouri is an appropriate place for the chimps I don't think so either. (laughs) So, this was in 1995, and the chimpanzee was born. He... Was the, his parents, his chimpanzee parents were an 11 year old retired zoo chimp and a male chimp who was stolen from Africa and sold, which makes me sad because clearly they're just forcing them to breed and they just let Sandy come adopt this little chimp at three (sighs) days old. They tranquilized the mother and went in and took the little baby chimp. Oh, (sighs) Mm mm-hmm. Okay, nothing against Sandy, but how could you do that? That is messed up. That messes up any parent, even if they're an animal. That's, That's on the breeder, that... too. I know. Oh, I hate it. I really don't like animal abuse. <laughs> <clears throat> but the experience was similar to having a child. Travis was a newborn, and Sandy cried the first time she held him. He grabbed onto her finger like a baby does. Everything. Full nine yards. So, she was in love. And she was also... Sandy also grew up an only child. And animals were a huge kind of attachment for her. Her parents had, I think, owned a company as well. So, I'm assuming they were pretty busy. So, it's not surprising that she really just was so attached to this chimpanzee from the second she saw it. And th- she took it back home to um, Stamford, and they raised what they called the chimpanzee to be Travis as their own. They fed him from a bottle, taught him how to walk, put him down for naps. He is a baby to them. They are committed. They created a room in their house that was caged in for Travis. Um, the entire house was made accessible for Travis. He slept in bed with them. Damn, I um, want to be Travis. <laughs> for real. Here's a quote from this really great New York Magazine article that gave so much insight into um, Sandy's life. So thank you for that article. Here's just a straight quote from them to so you guys can really see how much they updated their entire lives for owning this chimp. So, quote, The Heralds retrofitted their house to accommodate Travis. They caged in a large room in the rear, which had a set of sliders that led to an outdoor enclosure. They installed a heavy, lockable metal door on their bedroom, creating a suite of rooms, including the caged room, where Travis could roam around freely when he was left alone. When Sandy and Jerry were home, Travis had the entire house at his disposal, knuckle running from the couch in the living room to the kitchen, swinging from the tires and ropes in his room jumping on his bed the heralds also laid a mattress on the floor of their bedroom though most nights travis slept in bed with them end quote 
Let's just keep on going. They put some coin into that house for yep. Travis. From the time they took Travis home, they also had him around people. The same way you would with a child, they would bring him... Um, I mean, I guess that's good to, like, introduce it to people young. Yeah, so they had neighbors, you know, come over and play with him. They would bring him to work at the towing company where he would ride around in the company truck, ride around on calls. Sandy <laughs> would take him to the beach and bring him in the water to swim with her. The Heralds would take Travis with them to run errands. He would wave to police officers, pose for pictures. They would be holding him. Oh, I'm sure people in the street were eating He was that like a local up. celebrity. Yeah. Like, oh my God. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Going ape, literally, <laughs> over Travis. For real. Oh, love it. A neighbor of the Heralds even said they frequently would wrestle Travis in the yard, play wrestle, and he would listen and, you know, stop if he was getting rough. Like, he knew. Let And I'm just going to now list some things that Travis did that are just truly amazing. He could open doors using keys, dress himself, water plants, feed hay to the horses, eat at a table with the family, drink wine from a stemmed glass. He loved ice cream and he learned the schedules of passing ice cream trucks. He uh, could go on the computer. He could scroll and look at pictures. He loved to watch TV. With He would be able to use the remote to turn on sports. He could brush his teeth. And people have said before that he had driven the car. Wait, wait, wait. They were giving him wine? He could drink wine? We'll, we'll touch more on that later. I was going to say... That does not seem safe. But that's pretty impressive. Mm -hmm. He can do a lot of things. For real. He's earning his keep in that house. <laughs> he is. <laughs> like, make him go do... You better work, boy. Tend to the horses. Yeah. Work that nine to five. Yeah, work it. That farm life. <laughs> By the end of the 1990s, the family, you know, they're living their life with him as their child. Sue, at this point, is a grown woman... Um, but she did divorce her husband and came back to Stamford, where again, Sue and Sandy were inseparable. Sue had her young son, and he even would play with Travis, so they almost seemed like they were the same age, because I think they were both around three or so at this point. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, so, you know, everything was, it was cute and normal as of now. Well, normal for them. And... Similarly, Sandy's old acquaintance, Charla Nash, had came, she came to visit and she saw Travis, brought along her daughter, let her daughter play with Travis. The kids loved him. He played well. He would play with Susan and Charla and Sandy all the time. He would always love playing with the girls. Um, everything was fine. So let's jump to now Travis is five years old. And Sue fell in love again and remarried. Similarly to the first time she remarried and had children. And then her husband and her wanted to move. He particularly wanted to move to the Outer Banks to start an auto shop. And kind of the same story happened where Sandy is very depressed now. I knew that was going to happen. Yeah, she feels very alone. Hmm. She's very sad. She thought Sue abandoned her for a new man, kind of like last time. Hmm. That's sad. Mm -hmm. But by 1999, 
Sandy came around and was calling Sue again, saying she missed her. They started writing back and forth constantly. And Sandy would even read the letters to Travis that she was receiving from Sue. In 2000, Sue was continuing to move back and forth between North Carolina and Connecticut. She would be constantly driving back and forth to bring their belongings. And at one point, she had told her family that she was having some bad back pain and was taking Percocets to help with that. And at one point, she wow. actually was driving home from North Carolina no. and drove off the highway into a tree and was ejected from the car. And was her, she on Percocets? I believe so. No. And her newborn daughter was in the backseat. Oh, my God. Uh, the newborn actually survived because she was strapped in, but Sue passed away in this car accident. But did she not have her... Um... I don't believe so. Mm-hmm. Because she was ejected from the car, so I don't believe she had a seatbelt on. God damn it. Sandy, at this point, was into depression. Oh. Straight into depression. She would lash out, you know, pretty how, not typical, but oftentimes how people grieve. Crying. Of course. Devastated. Yeah. Then the next second, lashing out in anger. Blaming it all on Sue's husband for having them move. And so after the funeral and everything, she actually lost contact with Sue's children and just started to not even leave the house. Oh, that breaks my heart. Yes. So again, this is when Jerry and Travis are her only family. Travis now at this point is her only child for Sandy. Like literally, Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm sure at that point she was like, thank God I have you, Travis. And you know the really sad thing is that it seems that as soon as Sandy kind of went downhill at this point, um, Travis also started to, um, he was full grown. He was driving everywhere, but Jerry actually started letting him drink wine routinely out of a wine glass. And it became a nightly routine that them two would have a glass of wine. Like, that's cute and, like, funny and, like, hee-hee, but there, you should not be giving animal fucking any animal alcohol. Honestly. Like, that just does not seem safe by any means. Yeah. So, in 2003, there is a small incident with Travis. He was in the car with the Heralds and at a stoplight, and someone threw something into the car at Travis, which really startled him, and he became so upset Then he took his seatbelt off, (gasps) ran out into traffic, and was running after the man. Oh my gosh, that's like and he then your worst nightmare. He then refused to come back in the car. That is actually something out of like Rise of the Planet of the Apes. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, he he wanted them back in, so the police had to be called. But they were trying to coax him back in. He they were trying to coax him into a police car. But he would open the door and then just unlock it and let himself out. He just wouldn't stay in the car. They That's the thing. He's they too couldn't... smart now. Exactly. They couldn't lock him in. So they eventually coaxed him back in and got him. Um, but that incident began a process in Connecticut with a law which prohibits people from owning 50-pound pets. 50-pound or more primates. Sorry, as pets. So you can't, oh, I guess I was like, wow, sorry, no dogs, no, that doesn't, no big dogs. sorry, just primates. So if they're over 50 pounds, you can't have them. But the Heralds, they were investigated by Stanford Animal Control since they were like, I 
he's obviously aggressive. Yeah, he just went crazy in the middle of the intersection. <laughs> but, of course, they were allowed to keep him because there weren't any previous incidents and mm. he didn't hurt anybody. He wasn't threatening, they assumed. And the police even noted that he was being more playful that day. That's what they had said. But now let's spill some tea that Sandy didn't mention to animal control. Oh, no. Yep. Two years prior to this event, so in 2001, Sandy got a call from the breeder Connie Casey in Festus, who had told them that there was an incident with Travis's parents. Both chimps had escaped the um, breeder's home with another chimp named Coco, and the three chimps had run across to a nearby housing development, and there were 17-year-old boys, three of them, sitting in a car eating Dairy Queen. Oh, my God. And these chimps come up and just start banging on the car and just are basically terrorizing them. They were, like, not letting them get out. And these are grown chimps. So, I just got goosebumps thinking of sitting in a car and just chilling with your friends, eating some DQ in high school, and apes just run up Like, on how you. dare you fuck up my blizzard? I mean, it would be like, why me? I'm just trying to enjoy this. But... Let me savor my ice cream. One teenager said, run up, get done up, because <laughs> he went inside and somehow managed to go inside his house because they were just sitting outside his house. They were just sitting, like, in the car eating their yeah. Dairy Queen. So he ran inside his house and got a shotgun. Oh, no. And unfortunately shot um, the mother. So he shot Travis's mother. That's sad, but it's also, like, mm-hmm. kind of scary. These, What else are you going to really do? But listen to this. The teenager actually went to jail for a month for shooting the chimp because people in the town said that the chimps were just playing and they were really nice. Aww. So let's just, that just goes to show you how much too this is like, this isn't just an easy story of like, okay, kill the chimps because people love these animals. It's not just the people owning them. People in the neighborhood love them. It's sad. It's sad. Yeah, it is like... That's really scary, and it's like, if they already escaped, it does make you wonder, like, they probably weren't going out just to play. Chimps are very smart. They're not just gonna escape if they're happy. Exactly. So that makes me just Mm -hmm. wonder what they were really doing. But it is also sad, like, if you could get in your house. Mm -hmm. It's scary. Maybe you shouldn't have shot it. But, I mean, I don't know. He spent his time in jail, so. Yeah. Um, but that was the incident before that we were talking about with Travis. That was the only real incident that there ever was reported with him. Mm -hmm. But okay. So in 2005, Jerry starts having really bad stomach pains. One day at work, the pain is so intense. He collapses and they found rapidly spreading stomach cancer and there was no saving him. She spent every day, Sandy spent every single day in the hospital with Jerry at this point. And Jerry actually told her that when he passed, he wanted Sandy to take Travis to a sanctuary because he knew that Sandy was too old to take care of Travis by herself and that it she wasn't going to be able to do it. She was almost 60 at this point. Like, oh, Wow. And on April... Yeah, that's a lot to try to deal with a, yes. a chimp. 
On April 12, 2005, Jerry passed away. Again, Sandy cut off everyone. Hermit. She became a hermit in the house. That's the worst thing you can do. She was so depressed, so, sad. so lonely that she would eat, sleep, and bathe with Travis. Mm-hmm. Eventually, though, she started to come around and she invited her family friend. Charla had been around Travis when he was a child and had been around him very often. So there, everything was fine between them two. From 2005 to 2009, every, besides Jerry's passing, everything was fine. There was nothing, no incidents, but Travis also declined with Sandy because he's not taking care of himself at all. He's overweight. And so again, let me just read another quote from the New York Magazine article so you to just describe Travis in 2009. Quote, Travis by this point no longer bore much resemblance to himself, to his former self. He was 14 years old, 5 feet tall, 240 pounds, and morbidly obese. Oh my god, that breaks my heart. His hairline had receded dramatically and his center torso had gone gray. His face was black and wrinkled, his chest sagged, he spent the majority of his days snacking, watching TV, playing on the computer, and roaming the house. End quote. This story is sad as hell. It really is. He clearly is no longer the cute little playful chimp that police officers once knew. And, you know, he wasn't He wasn't the same. And it's sad because I kind of feel like if um, Sandy would have just reached out to people in the neighborhood and would have said, like... Can you guys please play with the chimp for a little bit in the backyard so he can get exercise and all sit out and watch? Mm-hmm. People would have, like, for free. Yeah. It's a monkey. People are always going to think that's cool. This is why you just can't own these but pets. She is old and she's grieving, and I'm sure that's really hard for her, yeah, to take care of yep. a, so, a big-ass monkey. We are at the point in the story where we are going to the big event. Mm. Brace yourselves. Trigger warnings up. On February 16th, 2009, an incident occurred with Travis. Sandy and Charla had just returned from a casino trip. Prior to leaving, Sandy took Charla to get her hair cut and colored. A little makeover. Um, The next day, they had came back home to Stanford. And Sandra was supposed to meet a friend for lunch. But... She had noticed that that morning Travis was acting a little differently. He wasn't playing or watching TV. He wasn't, like, eating his snacks or treats. And she knew that she had to meet a friend later, so she actually slipped a Xanax into his tea to calm him down. Oh. Sandy at this point is now 70. Holy crap. Around 70, and she could not chase him around the house to get him to calm down like before she left um she but should have just, she un- should have just not gone exactly because unfortunately that's exactly what happened he got loose on the property that oh day oh my gosh he started to run around sandy couldn't get him back inside that bean didn't do nothing for him no <laughs> it didn't <laughs> damn so sorry <laughs> <laughs> sorry keep going so sandy called her close friend charla nash who she was just with, and asked her if she could come and help and get um, 
Travis back inside. So Charla, of course, agreed because she had been with Travis all the time. And she came over and she got out of the car and had Travis's favorite toy, a Tickle Me Elmo doll, and held it up and was like, Travis, come here, you know, trying to coax him back inside. Travis turned and saw her with his favorite toy and just flew into a complete rage when he saw her and began attacking her on sight. Oh my god. He pushed her into the side of her car and was on top of Charla on the ground within seconds, just attacking her. The New York Magazine article said that Charla was already covered in blood by the time she even hit the ground from him throwing her. Oh my lord. He was on, Travis was on top of her at this point, just attacking. Sandy grabbed a shovel from inside the house and hit Travis on the head with it. She was really trying to stop him, but he did not even turn, did not even flinch, nothing. Travis continued to just scream ferociously and attack Charla, despite his mother's attempts to make him stop. She, Sandy at this point went inside and grabbed a butcher knife and brought it back out and stabbed Travis in the back multiple times. He stopped, turned, and looked at her and like as if to question why she did that and just turned and continued to attack Charla again. Oh my. He was at this point just on top of Charla, ripping and pulling at any flesh he could find and even eating. At this point, Sandy just knew she had to call 911. Yeah. The call is horrific. I, it's so chilling. I don't even know. I don't even think, honestly, that I am going to play it on this episode. No, people can look it up. It, I, I think I've heard it a all little you, bit of it. All you can hear ugh. is Sandy. She's telling the 911 operator that Travis is eating Charla. She's continuously saying the police need to come over with guns. He needs to be shot. Sandy even says at one point he's ripped her face off. And in the background the whole time, all you can hear is just high-pitched screaming. And it's Travis. It's not Charla. It's Travis just screaming. And it's so honestly scary to hear an animal doing that to someone. So that's why I don't want to play it on here because, like, it really actually disturbed me. It made me feel, like, sick. But... Travis continued to attack Charla until paramedics arrived. Well, police arrived first, actually, not paramedics. And he was attacking her for 12 straight minutes. Oh my god. When the officer on scene arrived, Travis approached the car and tried to open the door. He tried to open the passenger side door, which was locked. He then smashed the side mirror in one swipe and walked over to the police's driver's side door and opened it up and gritted his blood-stained teeth at the officer. He was covered in blood. And the officer pulled his weapon and shot Travis five times. Hmm. Mm -hmm. It's sad, but literally they had no choice. No choice. And Travis retreated. The officer then got out of his car and approached Charla, who was basically naked and who had lost over half of her blood out there in the grass in the front lawn. The officer could see pieces of flesh, scalp, and fingers lying around her and in the yard. 
The officer noticed that when he approached Charla, what was left of her arm moved towards him, and he knew she was still alive trying to get his attention. Horrible. Oh my god, that makes me so sad because, you know, she's still conscious then. Yeah. By the time police arrived on scene, they were looking around for Travis around the property, but he actually had already gone inside and passed away in his room. Charla sought extensive damage after this, obviously. This is actually why the story is so famous, because she has received... Well, let's just talk about the damage first. Huge trigger warning. Travis had ripped off her eyelashes, her lips, torn out her eyes, torn off her jaw, continued to rip away pieces of her scalp, breaking basically every bone in her face. He torn off one hand, nearly torn off the other. She was in critical condition, obviously. Um, She was in Stanford and then was actually transferred to Cleveland Clinic so she could get better care, and she was there for 15 more months. And within one month after the attack, Charla's family served Sandy with a $50 million lawsuit. I can only imagine. And that's really why, like I said, the story is so popular, because... Charla has had so many facial surgeries and the she was on Oprah and showed her face after just a couple surgeries and it is um, pretty horrific to see. It really is just, I feel horrible. But on the bright side, if you look at pictures of Charla now, she her face looks, is completely reconstructed. Yeah, she looks amazing She is now. nothing like that Oprah interview now. So yeah. it's in, truly incredible. It is. As for Sandy, she did what she always did and locked herself away in the house. She would call her friends and just cry and just say that she had to kill her own son. No one understood how it felt to stab her own son and to see all of that and have to live with that. No, I'm sure nobody knows how that feels. That's horrific. Mm -hmm. I mean... Meanwhile, too... I couldn't imagine. And on top of it, meanwhile, the press is blaming everything yeah, on of her. course. When they really don't know how hard... And I mean, spinning this horrific, wild animal love story tale, similar to almost a romance between Sandy and Travis. Ew. And they, they completely allege that Sandy cared more for Travis than Charla. And that, I honestly think, is what hurt Sandy the most. Because she killed her own son to she save Charla. She literally stabbed him and called the cops. Right. And no one would have thought this happened. But she tried to get back on her feet as much as possible. She tried to go to casinos and shop. But it just wasn't the same, obviously. She had no one. Mm. Within one year of the attack, Sandy passed away due to heart conditions. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pass away. Due, due to, to heart conditions in about five minutes. <laughs> due to heartbreak. Literally. Um, and let me just make this clear. So the reason why most people assume that Travis actually attacked Charla, even though he had known her, is because, one, he was off of Zan from the mor- his morning tea. Yeah, which I... I- yeah, which that can cause I'm aggression. sure is one of the big reasons why. And well, another huge reason is that when he saw Charla, she had gotten a haircut. She was known notorious for having this gorgeous long blonde hair, and she had gotten it cut and colored and was holding his favorite toy. So they think that that was just instant range for a full-grown male chimp off a of Zan, <laughs> and that's why he just flew into this rage. Yeah. So. 
let me just, the last couple of things I'll say, I just want to point out again, how horrific this story is, is that this isn't just affecting the family and who this happened to the police officer who actually had, um, killed Travis. His name was Frank Chiafari. He was an officer for over 25 years and had, I don't think he had ever even shot a person. He had played with Travis multiple times. Um, and the New York Times actually wrote an article on the effects of um, this police officer, Frank, who had said that the images of Travis approaching him all bloody and attempting to get in the car caused him severe anxiety and depression, let alone him constantly thinking back to the sight of Charla's rem remains being strewn in the yard and how he is constantly plagued thinking about how her arm, which was just a stump of flesh at this point, had, like, motioned out for him. And he's, he said in the article that he looks at women on a regular basis and just imagines how they would look with injuries and with their facial... Oh, my God. Um, with pieces of their face missing. And it's also point... Let's also point out that the officer at first was not allowed to get workers' comp... Because the police said that it's in his job to see disturbing and violent crimes and they would not pay for his therapy. He claimed, though, that this was different because this is a wild animal yeah. being involved. Mm -hmm. And eventually, due to how popular this case was, he did get his therapy covered by the Stanford police. Thank God. I'm sure he's going to have extreme PTSD. Mm -hmm. Officer Chiafari says that people ask him frequently to tell the story. <sighs> He politely declines. That's messed up. I'm sorry. If you ever do that to someone who's experienced trauma, think about that. Think very hard about that if you really think that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, he clearly is suffering. And I'm sure by no means does he want to relive that. Mm-hmm. Oh, that story really broke my heart. <laughs> Charla, to this day, is still, she's still living. She is still, I believe, having surgeries. I think she's wow. still, I know, it's horrible because she's living with that for her life. Um, she was awarded millions. Um, she is truly an inspiration. She uses things to get around since she doesn't have her um, hands anymore. And Yeah, she's amazing. She is. I do recommend, you know, watching an interview with her um, pretty recently. She's incredible. I will say Oprah was so damn sweet on that so interview. Sweet. She did not even flinch or no. do anything when she took that off. Like that really just shows Oprah is so compassionate. I love Oprah. We and I just really, like I said, wanted to focus on everyone who that story, like that story really affects everyone. And that's just, just think about it. You wanting this little monkey because it's so <sighs> cute and you see it can have damage on Sandy, who passed away, Charla, who is permanently scarred, mm -hmm. and Officer Frank, who is also permanently scarred. On the inside. I'm and me, sure, from telling the story. Yeah, and me too, and I'm sorry all you guys for listening, but I do, yeah, it is a good story of strength for Charla, but I definitely mm -hmm. want people, anybody, to think twice if they're gonna buy some sort of exotic pet. Yes, you think to these celebrities getting these monkeys and stuff just to hold them, you really don't know. No. No, don't do it. Mm -hmm. And again, please. as much as Sandy is at fault, I do want to focus on the fact that she clearly had some mental health issues going on. Oh, yeah. Using animals to cope with mental health issues can be, uh, can be useful. 
I mean, I'm not a therapist, obviously, so I won't say that, but it's just really sad that she knew she kind of couldn't take care of Travis, but had nowhere really and no options. So it is really sad. I know. Sorry, guys. That's that story, sad. though, Sorry. like Jackie and I both said, we want to tell these stories just so some people can learn. Oh, my God. There's a picture of a chimp that just came up on Jackie's <gasps> TV. It does oh, look so cute. Oh, my gosh. But it belongs out where it is, and it's in the wild. So let's just where leave it, it at that, people. Yeah. Please. Let animals stay in the wild where they belong. Yeah. I okay. hope the story didn't bother <laughs> you guys all too much. Have a great day, everybody. <laughs> let us know if you want more animal attack stories and yeah. things similar. Yes, let us know. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Want to creep on us? Follow us on social media at ew, that's creepy podcast, or send us an email at ew, that's creepy podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks, creepy cats.